Somebody said, praise the Lord. We've heard a lot about the church in this symposium. We've heard a lot about the culture. But we're about to hear some preaching about the kingdom. And I love Brother Douglas Walker, a tremendous preacher of the gospel. And we do not just pull these names out of a hat. We, we give it much prayerful consideration. And we felt very strongly to have Brother Walker close out the symposium tonight. And so if you would put your hands together with expectation, the man of God is coming right now in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord, everyone. It is an honor to be in the house of God tonight. And let me say before I get started tonight to do my small part that I am truly blessed and edified by having been here for uh, SOTAD and the symposium. Uh, all of the presenters just, I, I was in awe of your ability to handle the Word of God so truthfully with such depth and integrity. And I just, I, I love men of God who love the Word of God, and it reflects their dedication to God. Today I sat in heavenly places and watched as God mingled His Spirit with ours, and I was forever changed and impacted. Brother and Sister Mayo, Cornerstone Church, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your hospitality. You're first class. You're a Christian gentleman. Amen. It's all right. If you would turn your Bibles with me tonight to the book of Romans, the first chapter. Romans chapter 1. And I will just read a few verses. I feel outclassed. I feel um, like I'm in over my head right now, especially after the presentations that I heard. But I hope tonight that the private life that I live and the private closet that I live in will walk into this public place with me for a moment. I have no oratory skills I have no ability to wow you, amen, but I have never been more sure of what I'm supposed to preach in all of my life, amen. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he hath promised aforetime by his prophets in the holy scriptures. You will look real quick at just, I just want one more, two more verses, verse 6 and 7. Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ? To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to preach tonight for a few moments on slaves, saints, and defective angels. Slaves, saints, 
and defective angels. Could you ask God to help me tonight? Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ right now. I ask you for your grace and peace to be in this room. I ask for holy confirmation. I ask for the confidence of the beloved by the anointing of the Holy Ghost to walk in this room. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm going to talk about three things, and each one of those three things tonight, I'm going to link to the authority and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you tonight that Brother Painter um, did something today that was unbelievable because it, it was higher and greater than just uh, the ability to be an orator. But there was a palpable presence of the Holy Ghost that was in that room. Two weeks ago, uh, when God gave me this message, I was going to preach it, and God changed my spirit, and I did not preach it. Monday morning, I got up, made my way to my office, and entered into my prayer closet, and alone with God, this message came still so strong in my spirit, I felt foolish. What could this possibly do, and how could this possibly fit into a symposium of apostolic doctrine? Man, but today, sitting there and listening, man, to Brother Painter as he talked about the peculiar presentation of a man named Apostle Paul. And the way in which he presented himself, uh, the truly 1 Corinthians came alive that God hath chosen uh, the simple things and the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Paul, in his introductory uh, letter and in his way of introduction uh, to the Roman world, he introduced himself uh, not as just an apostle, not as a spokesman par excellence, not even as a theologian. I, Paul, called a slave of Jesus Christ. He introduces the word in the Greek doulos. Multiple times in the book of Romans, he exalts this theme to a culture that was completely uh, understanding of the concept of slavery. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Know ye not to whom you yield yourselves, uh, doulos, or slaves, to obey his slaves you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked, you were the slaves of sin. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you have become the slaves of righteousness. You were the slaves of uncleanness, but have yielded your body to the power of God. And now your members are slaves to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the slaves of sin, you were free from righteousness. Verse 22, but now being made free from sin, you have become the slaves to God. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. What a contradictory introduction to a culture 
that was chafed with the concept of slavery, humiliated with who they were, loathing the taxation upon their freedoms, and loathing the slavery that was imposed upon them, longing and dreaming of a day when they would be a freed man. But yet Paul, in his most peculiar way, Brother Painter, introduced that I am also a slave. You would think that of anything he could have chosen, he would have chosen different verbiage and different language. I ask you tonight that you would give me just a moment of indulgence. There is an estimate in history, Michael Grant writes in his book, Jews in the Roman World, that the estimate of slaves, amen, very widely, some believe that it was one to three, that for every one freedman in Italy, there was three slaves, and in Rome itself, it was one to one. Slavery was what was pulsating and running this country. This was the concept uh, that I must ask that I am not trying uh, to negate or mitigate the harshness and the cruelty of slavery. But I ask you not only to hear me preach tonight uh, from a contemporary and modern viewpoint, but I ask you to be historically accurate with me and understand that in antiquity the world was ran on the backs of slavery. I am not minimizing the cruelty nor the painfulness of this slavery. I could vastly spend time tonight as an amateur historian and give you all kinds of information about the sexual abuses of slavery, about slaves that were viewed as property, the denigration of slaves, slaves that had no rights of their own, the tortures, the horrors, even the executions of slavery. But Paul taps in to a little-known historical accuracy that there was a realm in the slave world in which they desired to have social upward mobility. How was one supposed to find a social upward mobility when slavery was where they lived? Most in the world at that time was of the lowest rank of slavery. There was little hope for advancement, possibly education a little bit. If you could become literate, it would marginally benefit you to those in whom you were owned by. But there was an elite group of slaves that had ingratiated themselves or had been had the blessed stroke of benefactor to buy them and to own them. Uh, and their benefactor was somebody who was a very high and elite position. These slaves could become uh, masters of business or estates and usually had great amounts of personal freedom. Even in the Republic of Rome, some uh, could become bankers, could become managers. Uh, some got government official positions. Uh, Man, the Athenians even erected a statue to one that we know of as Aesop. Aesop's fables, uh, he had to write them uh, and hide the fact that he was a slave uh, and had to write these poems or stories or riddles uh, so that he could hide who he was. Uh, they erected a statue to him at one point uh, 
declaring that even though he may not be free of birth, uh, that it is not honor is not built on birth, uh, but a certain meritocracy. Amen. Slaves could achieve a certain amount of freedom uh, if they got so lucky as to be owned by somebody who was very powerful. There was a concept that if you could ever get to a master who was powerful, then you would be better than the aristocrats because who you serve is more important than the status in which you live. The history records, a man shirking his book, Empire, says that there was one slave who was such a well-known teacher that in prominence that he had accumulated a library of 30,000 volumes. This man was famous in the world uh, as the librarian slave. Uh, in Martin's book on slavery, uh, a man, some people voluntarily entered into slavery to improve uh, their social status. It is there that if they could uh, be owned by a powerful individual, if they could be owned by an authoritative individual, if they could be owned by a royal individual, that was more important uh, than anything else that they could do. Martin lays out that slavery was in sense in this way a means to social mobility, even so much that freed women uh, who were at the lowest of class uh, would ingratiate themselves uh, and marry in uh, to improve their status by marrying into imperial slavery. Can I tell you tonight that uh, man Paul said, I want to introduce myself uh, as a slave uh, to Jesus Christ. Paul did not come uh, as a man of great dignity, uh, but he came as a man of great understanding uh, that who my master is uh, is more important uh, than the ruler of Rome. Hallelujah. I want to stop and say I am proud tonight uh, to be a servant uh, of the Most High, uh, King of Kings, uh, Lord of Lords, uh, Alpha and Omega. Hallelujah, hallelujah. For the exalted status of Caesar's slaves, uh, amen, it is written uh, in copious volumes of history that slaves of Caesar often preferred uh, the dignitas and the gravitas uh, and the weight and bearing uh, of this slavery as opposed to being a free man uh, because to be the slave of Caesar was more powerful than to be uh, one of those that were of the equestrian class uh, because whom you served uh, was a trickle-down effect uh, to the power that you had uh, and your own life. Help me tonight, God. I'll get there just in a moment. Amen. Often more than kings or free aristocrats. You can read of one named Cleander. The emperor often used him, amen, as an imperial slave uh, to rule vast parts of conquered worlds uh, that he took unto himself. One slave of Claudius Craig Keener writes in an excursus on slavery in his book on Acts, says that there was one slave of Claudius who ran Spain for him. This slave had so much wealth uh, that he had a silver dish that weighed 500 pounds uh, 
eight more of them weighing half as much. Pliny the elder writes uh, that this man had more wealth uh, than the kings in which they conquered in that land. Amen. One man writes in the slavery notes uh, of the empire, the power of one of Tiberius' slaves. Uh, he had a personal finance officer that worked for him in Gaul. Among this, the slave's own personal staff was a buying agent, a treasurer, a physician, two persons in charge of his silver, one in charge of his wardrobe, two chamberlains, four attendants, uh, and two cooks. You talk about authority. Hey man, he's living better than I am. Hey man, I don't have that many cooks. Hey man, but this man was so powerful that being the ruler of the nation uh, that was left to him uh, because his master was Tiberius. Uh, Paul introduces to the Roman church uh, that I am a slave uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it was a full frontal assault uh, against the imperial throne of Rome. He was telling him uh, that your king is less powerful than mine. He was informing him that I, a servant of the Most High God, have more power than your Caesar. There was one point in Gaul that so chafed was a conquered king under the rulership of a slave of the emperor that he lashed out with his tongue and said, How dare you, a slave, speak to I a royal dignity? To which the slave answered, and said, had you not retarded your dignity, and had you not squandered your privilege, you would have more power than I, a slave. But because you only took unto yourself and appropriated unto your own life the privilege, but neglected the responsibility, you will now bow to the slave of a greater man. Paul said, I want to introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I am a slave. What the apostle was preaching uh, is that I, in my slavery, am more powerful than who you are. Uh, I am more powerful than Caesar. I'm preaching tonight on slaves. I'm preaching tonight on who those slaves are. Man, they're the saints of Jesus Christ. They're the saints of the Most High God. If you are a saint tonight, you need a revelation of who you are. You need a revelation of who you serve. You need a revelation of the latent power uh, that lieth within your prayer rooms. You have the power to cast out devils. Uh, you have the power to lay hands on the sick. You are not weak. You are not pathetic. You are not tired. Uh, you are not a weakling. Uh, you are a slave of the Most High God. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost now. On the last days, I will pour out uh, my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, uh, your old men and your young men, uh, and the slaves uh, of God. Don't you tuck your head. Don't you bow your spirit. Don't you live in timidity. You are not weak. You are a source of power because you choose to serve the living God. You serve to bow to him that all the kingdoms, whether they be in heaven or on earth or in hell, 
will bow down to your God. And you are a servant of the Most High God. Man, this is about authority. This is not about taking away your identity. This is not about embarrassing the church. This is about authority. What we need is a revelation of authority. We need a revelation of the power of God. We need a revelation of who you are. We need a revelation that on those pews, in the house of God, are people who are slaves to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when we walk in this world, we have power. We have dominion. We have authority. When we pray, our master hears our cry. When we speak unto God, we have authority unto who he is. You are not weak. You are not poor. You are not emaciated. The church is not broken. The church is wonderful, glorious. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I want to tell you something in the Holy Ghost tonight. God is not barely going to get you to heaven. He is able to bring you in on abundant mercy. Hold on. Hallelujah. Hold on. My king is not sitting there counting his pennies. Don't know if I got enough to heal the church. Don't know if I got enough to have revival in the last days. But God, who is rich, God have mercy. There's a richness of mercy. There's an abundance of the glory of God. You got to quit living on a budget. You got to quit living on a wimpy budget. Uh, I don't know if God can make it. Uh, I don't know if God's going to get me through. Uh, brother, you're going to make it. Brother, you're going to build that church. Uh, you're going to have revival. He is rich. I come as an ambassador to a rich God. I come as an ambassador, as a treasurer, as an accountant uh, of the abundant riches. This is our time. This is our day. This is our opportunity. This is our opportunity. We are not weak. We are in charge. We are bringing the kingdom into this life and into this world. But there are days that the royal diadem doth slip and we forget who we serve. And we become chafed with submission. And the Pentecostal world becomes aggravated by surrender to the glory of God. But it is in my servanthood. It is in my doulos unto God. It is in my slavery to the king that is the secret to my power. So I'm not chafing at submission. I'm enjoying it because it's more powerful than kings of this world. They are broken kingdoms. They are broken crowns. They have been slipped and they have been squandered. And the image of God has been defaced in their realms. But in walks the servant of the Most High God 
who speaks in other tongues, who lays hands on the sick and they recover, who casts out devils, who takes up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them because they are the slave. Man, abundance and riches, abundance and wealth, Ephesians chapter 4. Amen. Verse 5. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God, the Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. I'm telling you, it is more powerful to be a slave of Christ than a king of fallen kingdoms. Because I am rich in grace, rich in truth, rich in peace, rich in righteousness, rich in godliness. When I was out there, I was a slave to unrighteousness. But thanks be to God that now I am a slave. Slave to God. Slave to God. I'll surrender. I'll give. I'll pray. I'll dance. I'll shout. I'll preach. I'll worship. I am not chafed with my position. Somebody needs to go tell hell, I'm not miserable. I'm not mad. I'm not ticked. I have joy in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy and at his right hand. I'm having more fun as a slave of God than a king of a demonic realm. I don't want your alcohol. I don't want your drugs. I don't want your movie. I don't want your pornography. I don't want your filthy lucre. I am a slave. Why would anybody trade uh, the power of an unmitigated kingdom uh, for the penance? Why would I give up heritage? Why would I give up truth for a mere pot of soup? Sold their birthright Man, for the spirit of fornication. Can I tell you the church is not reactionary. It is the acts of the apostles not the reactions of the apostles. Why? Because those slaves had a connection to the king of kings. Those slaves had a connection to the authority of God, and that authority gave them a position of blessedness, of glory divine uh, passed on to them. Oftentimes, man, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. I really do. I feel so free and Good tonight. I know where I'm headed tonight. I'm not nervous. Amen. Amen. The Bible says, if you look at it with me, 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 7. Thou shalt smite the house of Ahab, thy master, that I may avenge the blood of my slaves, the prophets, of my servants, the prophets. You know what God is saying? That when I get ready to talk to Jezebel, I'll send a slave because she doesn't intimidate me. 
I'll let my servant handle this. The prophet shows up. Who are you? Slave of the living king and God. How dare you be so presumptuous to presume yourself the right to seek to overthrow my kingdom. But I'm a slave of the God who you rebelled against. Therefore, I'm telling you, if you do not repent, uh, your kingdom's coming down. Man, this is about authority. It's about the will of God. Prophets are called God's slaves. They are to be the servants of God. And he would constitute upon them the highest of all human honors. He would give them righteousness, power, and authority to the lowest of the low in the house of God. That is why when you walk off those streets, uh, you may have been a drug addict yesterday, but at the infilling of the baptism uh, of the Holy Ghost, you become the oracle of the prophetic. You are able to speak against that which defies God. You are able to bring down kingdoms. Man, you are able... To speak in ways. The biblical prophets issued forth God's orders to kings. Amen. And they issued this forth with such dignity and such authority and such power. They had power over demons. And they had power over defective angels. You know what a devil is? It is an angel that gave up his first estate. It is an angel that has retarded his sense of development and agency of the divine. And that is why when Jesus sent them out in Luke chapter 10, he's telling them, go out two by two. They came back rejoicing. Uh, even the demons uh, are subject to us. Well, yeah. All they are is defective angels. I saw him fall from heaven. What in the world are you shouting about that? You have power to speak to a demon. And he. Don't you cow up. Don't you bow down. Don't you go crawl in fetal position. I don't know if I can get my child back from the clutches of Satan. Speak to that thing. You don't have to be afraid of it. You don't have to be worried about it. You have authority. You have the glory of God. You have the... That's just an angel that has thrown away his potential. That has defaced his opportunity. That has thrown away who he is. Don't, don't rejoice over that. That's like the, the lowest common denominator of my slaves. You're a servant of God. You're going to be able to tell demons to, where to go. Man, just speak to them. Rebuke them. Cast out devils in my name. You're my slave. Quit living like you don't have the power. I have invested in you the authority. Go read your Bible where in the book of Luke he said there was a master that went away and told his slaves, uh, why don't you to occupy till I come? You know what that means? Run the house like I'm here. Don't let this thing look vacant. Don't let the prayer room look vacant. Run this thing like I'm home. 
Quit living like you're a visitor in someone's house. Enter thou into the faithful. Enter into the glory of God. Get in your prayer room and lock horns with what's trying to tear your church apart. Lock horns with what's trying to intimidate your ministry. Come on, occupy, occupy my house. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, occupy. Man, just, just live in it like I'm here. I don't want the thing to collapse while I'm gone. I want it to survive. I want it to thrive. Live in this thing. Hope you believe what I'm saying tonight. Because he, he comes back and says, if you do what I tell you, when I come back to him that's been faithful, I'm going to give you ten cities. Oh, what? What do you mean cities? That's right. Slaves are going to inherit cities. In the Roman Empire, there was vast portions of conquered lands that were given, that were endowed, that were bequeathed, amen, to slaves and commoners that had been loyal to a king. Jesus said, if you guys will get this and you'll suffer with me, you're going to reign with me. If you'd march with me a little while, you're going to have authority over some things. If you'd walk with me a little while, you're going to be able to deal with defective angels uh, that have thrown away who they should be. uh, And you're going to have authority when you deal with them. And when you get back, and when I get back, he said, I'm going to give you cities. What's that mean? You're going to inherit some land. You're going to inherit some authority. You're going to inherit a kingship. You're going to inherit a blessedness. Man, when they left the slave to handle the the daily running of the fallen house of Ptolemy, man, in Egypt, it, it, it chafed them. It aggravated them. How dare you? Amen. Come and run down the Nile and do your party thing. Go away. And to leave us in the charge of your servant. How dare you? That little servant walking around every day. You can go read about him in a history book. Had a little clay tablet telling them this is how much you're going to give and this is how much we're taking and this is how much you're going to leave and you're a figurehead with no power and they looked at him and said how dare you a slave try to speak to us and he said if you would have been the king you should have been you wouldn't be ruled by slaves I want to tell Satan something if you'd have been the angel and the worshiper you was called to be you wouldn't have to take your marching orders from a little preacher called Douglas Walker from Ukaipa, California. You'd be somewhere around the celestial heavens, but you're broken. You're fallen. You're defaced. There's been a retardation of your glory. And now I'm going to triumph over you because he hath allowed it. That isn't, that isn't all, Second Kings chapter 10, verse number 10. Know therefore that thou shalt fall into the earth nothing of the word of the Lord, which the Lord spake concerning the house of Ahab. For the Lord hath done that which he spake by his slave, Elijah. Ahab, you will bow to me. 
and I will have my chauffeur give you the bowing orders. The ceremony of your humiliation. The ceremony of your embarrassment. The grand parade of your humiliation. I will give that to my slave. I'm going away. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. For you, that where I am, there you may be also. And he went to prepare a place where they who were slaves became sons. I will call you no more my slaves. I will call you my sons, he said. Hey, man, I'm going to tell you something. There's a deal that God does when he gets into the world of fallen angels. He wants his church to take authority. He wants his church to operate uh, in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, He wants his church to have a strength. Uh, They are not as strong uh, as what the carnal compromisers are acting like. Uh, You can build a church uh, wherever there's a servant of God. If there's a praying church, you're going to have revival. If there's a praying church, you're going to have miracles. Uh, If there's a praying church, you're going to have victory. Uh, If there's a praying man, there's going to be anointing. You can't have unanointed church uh, and be a servant of God. Uh, If you knew who it was uh, that you was, uh, you'd be walking uh, in the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Demons try to hinder the work of God by casting blindness on this world. But we are not blind. I'm not scared. I'm not blind. He said it well today. We are not ignorant of Satan's devices. We have authority and power. The Satan and all of his fallen defective angels. Don't rejoice over that. That is nothing. That's like, man, just shouting over all the little stuff. But rather rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Quit, Quit worrying about the devil and start worshiping the God that has the power. Quit plunging in to the world of demonology and plunge in to the depths of theology. I don't even care. I don't even know. I'm not afraid of him. Why? Because greater is he that is in you uh, than he that is in the world. Demons are limited by God's control and have limited power. Man, they're kept in eternal chains, Jude 6 says. Man, this is also true. James 4, 7 says that they can be successfully resisted by saints through authority given to them through submission to God. Submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee. It is vain to work on resistance if you're not working on submission. It is a futile exercise to poise yourself. I rebuke you. Yeah, you. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who are you? The kings, I know, and their slaves, I know, but I don't know who you are. But if you get into submission, to what degree that I submit to the authority of God is the degree to which I am able to effortlessly resist Satan. 
the more I mortify my flesh, the more I pray, the more I wrestle Douglas onto the cross, the more I'm able to say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. The power of demons are limited because after rebelling against God, they do not have the power that they had when they were holy angels. They are fallen. They are deformed. They have lost their glory. Sin is a weakening, embarrassing, and destructive influence. They should not have done this. But Hebrews tells us that angels are ministering spirits. They're action, not reaction. Angels are encamped around about them that fear the Lord. They're living in this room. They're living around you. They're living around your family. They're, I don't care. This is a great day to have a marriage. Hallelujah. This is an awesome day to start a church. Uh, This is an incredible time uh, to go ahead and have children. Why? Because where iniquity doth abound, grace doth much more abound. Uh, God will outperform Satan. Uh, God will outperform demons. Demons have... Amen, a a sense, and I don't use this, and I'm not trying to be glib or smart aleck tonight, so please, please don't, don't think I am. When I say that demons are defective, I mean that in the clinical sense and in the terminology, they are living in a state of arrested development. That is why demons don't know how to operate for tomorrow. They only deal in your past. Angels are ministering spirits to help you, but demons are in arrested development. They live in the world of past failures. They live in where you've been. They live uh, in what didn't happen last week at church. Uh, They live at the altar call that didn't have victory. Uh, They live in the message that wasn't lodged in your heart. Uh, All demons do is live in yesterday. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Quit, 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 quit worshiping demons. Quit acting like they're so spooky and scary and powerful and big and large. Cast that junk out. As a slave of God, you have more resident power than demons multiply. No, 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 no. Don't live like that. Don't do that. Don't stand there and say, well, the demons know what I'm thinking. No, they do not. There's not one scripture in your Bible that says they have any clue no, 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 no. Now, demons can watch what you do. Somebody said, well, what about witches and soothsayers? Oh, that's easy. You know how that demon knows? Uh, and you know what those people do? They sit around with their tarot cards, sit around with their witchcraft. I, I perceive yesterday there was somebody in your life. Notice it isn't about tomorrow. It's always about what I ate for breakfast. You know how a demon can anoint a witch to tell you what you ate for breakfast? Because he watched you eat it for breakfast, but he don't have a clue of what you're going to do tomorrow. Why? Because all he can do uh, is register where you've been, what you've done, uh, and how you did it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How do they read our minds? How do they do this? They don't. They don't quit acting like they do. They have no power over you. They have no intuitive. Now, they can take your behavior, 
and watch the patterns of your behavior and say, well, I assume if that's what you're talking about and that's what you're looking at on the Internet, well, if I can get that, brother, I'm going to tell you something. You've got to be careful what you show a demon. You got to be careful. You got to show him worship. You got to show him praise. Uh, you got to show him prayer. That's why you pray. I don't care if you don't feel like praying. You pray because demons uh, are watching you. Oh, now I feel it. Hey, man, somebody said, I don't feel like worshiping. The Bible didn't say do it when you feel it. Praise him in a dance. Watch. no power over my finances. Uh, You have no power over my ministry. You have no power over my home. I'm praising him because I want every devil to watch that. Uh, They're standing here scratching their head. Uh, What are these people doing? Uh, What are they experiencing? Uh, Grace. I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. We're just having fun getting there. Man, listen to me. A few years ago, you that are from California, you that pay attention to the news, you'd notice this. There was a man named Scott and Lacey Peterson, California, the Bay Area. I'm not going to go into the story, but that guy killed his wife on a fishing day. And they couldn't figure out where she was. And they couldn't find the body of this pregnant lady. But there was a witch in San Francisco that called it out. And said, I know where the body is. It's in the bay off of this certain road. Guess where the body was? Exactly where she said it was. And everyone went, that's not That's nothing. The demons watched him dump it there. The demon knows the past. It's, its relation is past. But a fallen angel... A deformed angel, an angel living defectively in a sense of arrested development. It doesn't know what you're going to do. It can only guess and throw enough mud against the brain or heart or soul or wall. Say, let's see what sticks. And that is why you say, when I'm overwhelmed, somebody get me. Hey, man, and lead me to the rock that's higher than I am. I might be crippled, but I want the demons that are chasing my marriage, uh, my ministry, my building program, uh, my outreach program, uh, my career, my prayer life. Uh, Watch me go to church. Uh, Watch me go into the house of the Lord. Uh, I'm not afraid of you. I'm not intimidated by you. Uh, Greater is he uh, that is in me uh, than he uh, that is in the world. So, man, that's why the demon hates you. It doesn't hate you because it doesn't like the color of your shirt. It doesn't hate you because it didn't like my hairdo. You know why he hates me? Because he's sick and tired of slaves telling angels what to do. Who are you and where do you come from? I've been buried in the blood of Jesus Christ. I've already been to the water. I've already been baptized. I've got the Holy Ghost. I've got the Word of God. I've got the power of the Spirit of the Lord. I come against you, not with spear or sword, but in the name, in the name of the Lord. 
Jesus, Jesus, come on. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the power of victory. I feel the triumph. I feel the glory of God. Listen to me, Satan. We do not bow to you. We will not tamp it down. We will not mitigate it. You better watch out. You better watch out. What if it doesn't come to pass? Occupy till I come. I'm coming back. I'm going to live in that house. Scripture says that a man cleans his house up, sweeps, garnishes it, polishes it, vacuum cleans it, and the demon goes and gets seven more, more powerful than himself. Come on, Jack. Let's go back there and let's go in that old house we used to have. And the Bible says he goes in. And he goes in into that house. And he comes back and says, I'm coming in my house. See, the problem was an authority ownership issue. As long as I own my marriage, he can come in. As long as I'm in charge of my ministry, he can come in. I don't need Facebook to promote my ministry. My ministry isn't mine. It's the Lord's. And that's why when demons seek to take a man down, uh, they got to go and get permission. But when I got the Holy Ghost, when I got the resident spirit of the almighty God, uh, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace uh, was living inside of me. Come on, Jack, let's go back and get Douglas. Uh, knocks on that door, and a voice comes out of that. Uh, you're not coming in here. I'm coming into my house. No, you're not. This isn't your house. This man's repented. This man went down in the name of Jesus Christ. This is my house. Uh, this is my temple. Uh, this is my tabernacle. If the church is going to go to the next stage of revival, it's got to have a revelation of who they are. It's got to quit being ashamed uh, that it's submitted to holiness, that it's submitted to prayer, that it's submitted to consecration, uh, that it's submitted to dedication. Uh, no, to what degree that I surrender to God, uh, I have authority over spirits. All right, all right, all right, I'm going to quit here. Amen, get for me Revelation chapter 20. Amen. Verse number one, brother, please. I saw an angel come down from heaven. Amen. This is a good one. This is one that has not deformed himself, that has not shirked off his power by being a rebel and being jealous of the glory of God. I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. Amen. Let's go to the next verse. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. I got a word from God for this church. I have a word from God for the ministry that's in this room. When Satan tries to remind you of your past, 
remind him of his future. I'm not a perfect man. I haven't done everything right, but I'm on my way to heaven. And the journey's sweeter every day. But you, my friend, are going to be bound with a great chain. And you will be cast into hell. Do you know why the devil wants to drag you into the past and make you live on last week's failures and last week's failed attempts at preaching and failed attempts at altar call and failed attempts at this or that? Because he wants to rob you of your future so that you can join him in his future. Mine's in the blood. Yours is in the fire. Amen. I'm going to heaven and you're on your way to hell, Satan. Amen. So I'm not going to let you drag me down. I take authority over the spirit of backsliding. I take authority over the spirit of poverty. I take authority over the spirit of sickness, over disease, uh, over deformity, uh, over pornography, uh, over doubt and unbelief. You have to drag that defective angel, a man fighting, screaming, day by day, hour by hour. You drag him into his future because you will either live in your past or you will live in the appropriate authority of your future and his future. Every day can get you on your yesterday is a day that you do not recognize that he is defective. He is deformed. He knows nothing. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel like somebody needs to lift their hands and say, God, I'm not going to live in passivity. I'm not going to live in weakness. Come on, let's feel after the Holy Ghost. Come on, servant of God. Speak the word. Come on, preacher. Speak the word. Come on, saint of God. Start operating in the gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to take authority. I'm going to pray over the sick. I'm going to teach a Bible study. I'm going to have authority in my life. Come on, you need to take authority over what's got you beat down, over what's got you cowed. Come on, surrender. Surrender to his authority. Surrender to the grace of God. Obey the Holy Ghost. Obey the Holy Ghost. You have power. You have authority. Come 
Shataya. Jesus, I rebuke you, Satan. Speak, speak it in Jesus' name. You're a servant of the King of Kings. 